If you're able to remain standing for the scripture reading, we're turning to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 10, 11, and 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Starting at verse 10. This is the word of our Lord. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls into his own kingdom and glory. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to us through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. On the occasion of Enoch's baptism, I want to take the opportunity to share a word with Chris and with all the fathers present here. If you're in Sunday school, you're going to say, oh no, more, more of that. If you're, uh... <clears throat> But I trust the Lord will bless us as we consider his word. I also want everyone to listen to the words. Now, you say, oh, it's for fathers, so I'm not a father, I can turn uh, it off. If you're a mother and you have, young, you have children, boys at your home, you are going to be very responsible in shaping them to what we're going to be discussing here today. If you're a man who is looking forward to marriage and wants to marry and uh, plan to be a father in the future, that this, this is for you. For uh, older women who don't have children at home anymore, we need your prayers. So listen closely so you know what you should be praying for, for us. So there's something here for everybody because this is the word of God that we're proclaiming. And the Word of God always accomplishes what God sets it to accomplish among His people. Sadly, the, the family in our society is bankrupted. And in a large part, the blame lays squarely on the shoulder of the father. Sadly, the family in the evangelical church is not faring much better than the family in the world. For years, we have been teaching our sons to be more like women, which in turn has produced fathers that are more like mothers. Those who take their calling as a father as fathers seriously are often at a loss in trying to figure out how to be a good father because the church has bought into all kinds of worldly ideas about what being a father is. Even evangelical church has bought into the idea of a toxic masculinity which is a, tends to be a blanket expression to cover anything that has to do with being a biblically informed male. Is that going to, is, there has been abuse in the church of Jesus Christ, and that's very sad, and that has to be dealt with. Uh, we are not immune to the presence of sin in our lives, and we are going to, at times fall under there, and we need to repent, and, and the church needs to deal seriously with that. But to throw masculinity out of the window with that, 
is to throw the Bible out of the church. Now, the job of the pastor and elder, the pastor teacher, according to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ministry that includes raising our children to the glory of God. Yet the pastor has become an entertainer while the families on the pews are laughing their way to broken families, heartaches, and suffering. And as I said recently, the pastor gives what the congregation wants. Paul said that in these last days, the the congregations are going to be raising those that are willing to tickle their ears instead of preaching the gospel and what the Word of God says. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We fathers, and I firmly believe that, men, we fathers can turn things around in one generation if we commit ourselves to what God says in His Word. It's as simple as that. If we men are willing to be men like the Bible tells men should be, we can turn things around in the church of Jesus Christ in just one generation. But it takes courage on your part to be a real man, a man that will follow Jesus Christ and will bring his family with him. Paul, in his dealing with the Thessalonians, provides great divine insights into what it is to be a father. He tells us what every father's goal should be. He tells us what he me- that the means are to achieve that goal, and he shows that our Heavenly Father does the same for us. And that's really the outline of what we're going to be looking at. Notice in verse 12, he ta- tells us the goal of every father. He says... That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That's the goal. Paul ministered to the Thessalonians as a father so that they would would be able to walk worthy of God for his glory who called us into his kingdom. So let me ask you this. What is that you want for your children, fathers? What is it that you want for your children? A good education? Scholarship for college? Obedience, becoming a pro athlete, staying out of jail. No, some have lower standards. Um, Being a loving kid, being a well-adjusted person. What is it that you want for your family? Uh, You may have heard of George Barna. He's a a Christian statistician. And in a recent uh, poll he did in what is called evangelical church, this is the result. He says, by far the top-rated outcome was getting a good education. Four out of every ten parents in the church listed that as as a critical outcome they were committed to facilitating. And you say, what's the problem with that? As a Christian parent, as a Christian church, is it really what the ultimate outcome we want for our children? To be educated? Does it matter how educated you are in hell? The second result in that research was that 24% of of parents in the church wanted their kids to 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 understand, uh, to feel loved. 
Because the Bible tells us that, right? We are to feel loved. Is that the second greatest commandment? What is it to love others? And then the third, 22%, so almost half of the parents who thought that the, the greatest thing they can do for their children is their education, was to facilitate a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that backwards? Paul tells us that a father must want his children to walk worthy of their God. Walk designates the whole of a person's life. If that is what we want for our children, we must use the Bible as the plumb line for everything that we do as a father. Do you know what the plumb line is? The first time I read this was in the book of Amos, and I had no idea what the plumb line was. Remember, I grew up in the city. I grew up in a wealthy family who... Who, if we needed a light bulb changed, we hired. When I say we, my parents would hire an electrician to come and change it. So I had, had knew nothing about construction. So I had to find out what a plumb line was. And the plumb line is this string with a weight at the bottom that you put against things to see if they are plumb or straight, right? Uh, so the word of God is that. So fathers. We need to grab the Word of God and put against our parenting, our fathering, and say, is this straight? Is it square? Is it level? Uh, not too long ago, Adam Hunter and, and Tim Vanderhoff came to help me install cabinets in my kitchen. And when I say help, they came and did it. And I, uh, I got them lunch and uh, went for, you know, go for stuff. And there was a competition to see whose level was levelless, the most level. Uh, Adam went with old school with a long physical level with the bubbles, and Tim brought this um, laser apparatus that he used to, to leaven. Some, some cabinets were done with uh, Adam's level, and some cabinets were done with Tim's level, and they were all 100% level, both of them. He put a, a, a marble on, on a, a little marble on top of it, a little plain marble, and it doesn't run anywhere. And then there was one that I installed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little ramp for cars to jump. <laughs> but that's what the word of God is for us fathers. They're that level, that plumb line that enables us to figure out am I parenting my child for the word of God? So let me ask you this. How are your decisions concerning fathering your children, concerning influences, concerning activities in your child's life going to make them worthy to of walking with God? How are you being an agent, as you use the word of God as a father, of Christ conforming your children to his image? This goal supersedes everything else. And we must communicate that to our children. Whatever else goes on in parenting takes second place to helping our children walk worthy of their God. This must go beyond words. It will affect what we do, how we spend our time, and everything else, because this cannot be our goal for our children if it's not our goal for ourselves. So I ask you again, fathers, have you been walking worthy of your God? Have you been walking according to who you are in Jesus Christ? Are you walking according to your being in heavenly places with Jesus Christ? Are you walking according to the truth that the Spirit of God is in you, enabling you to become more like Jesus Christ?
Because if you're not, it's going to be very hard to teach your children to do that. Remember Joshua's conviction? He's at the end of his life. He's an old man. Um, and he, the, 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 they have conquered most of the promised land. They're going to disband now. They're going to go to different territories. But to this point, they've been working together as an army to conquer each other's territory. Now they're going to disperse. They're going to go to where um, they're going to settle and so on. And Joshua tells them this. If it, is, it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the, the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Make that choice. Are you going to serve the gods of this world or the true God of the Bible? Joshua puts before them. And it's a choice that everyone has to make. By not making the choice, guess what you've done? You've chosen the gods of this world. But what does Joshua say concerning his family? He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And notice how he does it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There isn't a poll taken. There isn't a waiting to, the, 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 to some age where the child can make a decision for himself or for herself. He says, no. I am deciding that my house will serve the Lord. There is a, 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 a famous author that says that he, wrote, he, he raised his children by saying, Mom and I are going to heaven, and you are coming with us. That wasn't the option given. Mom and I are coming to heaven, and you're coming with us. Now, we understand this by the grace of God. It is the Spirit of God working in their hearts to change them and to grant them faith and all of that. But you, fathers, are a great means that God uses to work in your child's heart. And you see that in verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, Paul lists the conduct of the father. He says, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blameless we behaved ourselves among you who believe. So that's the three ways, three things that the Thessalonians witnessed of Paul as he behaved like a father to them while among them. Blamelessly, devoutly, and justly. So let me ask you, fathers, what do your children witness in the day-to-day of your life? What do your children witness in the day-to-day of life? Devotion to God? Love for your wife? Love for the children? Or do they witness selfishness and self-centeredness? More importantly, what does God witness in your day-to-day life? You may have heard the name R.C. Sproul. Uh, He started Ligonier Ministries and and was a great teacher of the Bible, went to be with the Lord a couple years ago. He made famous, remember what the refrain, his motto was? Coram. Deo, before the face of God. Do you realize that we live lives, our lives before the face of God? There's nowhere where God is not there. What's God witnessing in the day-to-day of your life? <clears throat> in his behavior as a father to the Thessalonians, Paul tells us what our children must see, must see in us. 
They must see a devotion to God. And this speaks of our attitude toward God, our, our, our dedication to God. So fathers, our children must see us as must see in us a true devotion to God that supersedes devotion to anything else in life. Our lives must be marked by being separated unto God. Is that your life, Father? He also says that, that he demonstrated righteousness to them. That this speaks of our attitude toward the law of God. We must cherish it and follow it. It must govern our moral conduct. That is... That is the sense that the Holy Spirit conveys here, moral conduct dictated by the Word of God. Is the Word of God dictating what you do, fathers? Fathers, are you putting the time needed for you to know the Word of God for yourselves and for your family? Jonathan Edwards, in his very last sermon in Northampton, okay, you've heard Jonathan Edwards, right? He was a, a first half of the 18th century, the 1700s, pastor in New England. He is considered by many the greatest mind the U.S. ever produced. Not the disintegrated pastor, not the greatest theologian, but the greatest mind. And he got fired from his pulpit, even though his revival had broken. Now the church was bursting at the seams, but he was fired. They didn't like his preaching. And then once he was fired, the elders came, yes, you're fired. You You have to move out of the manse and so on, but... We don't have another pastor. Do you mind keep on preaching till you find another pastor? Which he did. And then in his very last sermon, this was the encouragement he gave to the congregation. He said, every family ought to be a little church, consecrated to Christ and wholly influenced and governed by his rules. And family education and order are some of the chief means of grace. If these fail... All, all other means are like to prove ineffectual. And guess who is the pastor of that little family, that little church? Fathers, or the head of the household. The head of the household. The devotion to God, righteousness, blamelessness. It says that in verse ten. Blamelessness is not perfection. This is not the, the, the idea, but this is how this, the, our conduct toward our children is described. This is the idea of doing what God calls us to do. It's the idea of having a clear conscience. Yes, you might be blamed for what you did. People may blame you for things you didn't do, but your conscience will be clear. So, Father, as you've interacted with your children, is your conscience clear concerning the way that you have raised them? If it not, Repent. Confess and experience the forgiveness of the Lord. And then in verse 11, Paul talks about the teaching of the Father. He says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Notice how he says every one of you. Our being a father must be tailored for each one of our children. Of course, there are things that are the same for all the kids. After all, we want to avoid any notion of favoritism. But we must be the fathers. We must be fathers to each one of our children. No matter how many you have, you must be the father to each one of your children individually. I'm not just the kid's father. 
I'm Teeny's father. I'm Gracie's father. I'm Bubby's father. I'm Izzy's father. And that's what Paul did to each one of, to every one of you. So Chris, right now we just have one. If the Lord shows your grace, his grace upon you and you have another five. Um, <laughs> Hannah goes, no, <laughs> no, she didn't. That's what God calls us to do, to be a father to each one of our children. The great, the, 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 there, Jonathan Edwards, again, he had a boatload of children. I think the name is, thir- the number is 13. It's either 11 or 13, it escapes me. But every day, he scheduled time with every one of his children. And you spend time with them. Sometimes not just a little bit of time, but he was a father to each one of, of them. We can't neglect any of them. Paul's dealings with the Thessalonians as a father involved three activities that must also be present in our dealings with our children. He exhorted them. The word means to impress something upon someone, to direct someone into suitable conduct, to instruct with the goal of practicing. This is the teaching word of the three. So we as fathers exhort our children. As Edward said, each home is to be a little church where children are instructed in all things, especially the Word of God. Each father here today is, in this sense, a pastor to his family. It is specific to the fathers that Paul gives the command to raise their children in the training and admonition of the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6. So we exhort, we teach. But then the second word is comfort, if you look at verse 11. And the basic sense of, of this word is to speak to someone in a friendly way about what ought to be done. So, to encourage and to mend. See that Paul saying that again in chapter 5, verse 14, that we are to comfort the faint-hearted. We fathers are often very good at exhorting, aren't we? We are really good at telling our kids what to do and how we would have done better if it was us doing it, right? But coming and putting our arms around them and asking how things are going and what their struggles are and sympathizing with them is harder, mainly as we relate to our boys. This this comfort is the ability to cheer up. It's interesting that both of these words have the prefix para, both the exhort and the comfort, which implies proximity, coming alongside. You can't exhort and encourage from a distance. Father, you must be present in your children's lives. You must be involved. You must be in the trenches with them. So you exhort, you comfort, and then Paul says you charge. You urge, you insist. The idea, the idea here is that what was taught in the exhortation is going to be urged on to be put into practice. There's an emphatic demand that you will do what God calls you to do, the, the Father says. This is where discipline comes into play. We are to emphatically demand that our children walk worthily of their God. And that is often done by urgings applied to the backside. Spanking has become something that is not acceptable, even in the Church of Jesus Christ. And yet the scriptures have told us that the most effective way to correct our children's behavior, 
specifically younger ones, is with a rod. Do, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now the word beat carries bad connotations for us. But it's the idea of spanking. There are hardly any more offensive words in our society in our days and perhaps any less practice as well, even in the Church of Jesus Christ, we have bought into the idea that somehow this is going to damage the child and have an effect called good, evil, and evil, good. The Bible teaches that if you spare the rod, you hate your children. But pastor, you know, I've tried spanking and it doesn't work. Let's grant that, that you've tried properly. Not on the diapers, not, you know, so on. Would you say the same thing, you know, I've tr- I know that God said that I should preach the gospel for a neighbor, but I tried to preach the gospel and they haven't got saved, so I'm going to try something else to save them. Would, did you ever do that? It's the same logic. It's the exact same logic. We are more willing to excuse our children than to deal biblically with their unrighteous behavior. Father, don't let that be. You are called to spank your children as an agent of their salvation. I've said before, there's a mystical union between the child's bottom and their heart. Proverbs says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Fathers, the words, wait till your father gets home should strike tremendous fear, awe, and respect in your children. Not because when you get home you're going to throw a temper tantrum and get angry, but because they know that dad is serious about their soul. And then Paul finishes by saying that in Christ Jesus we have a heavenly father who does the same for us. In verse 12, he says that you should walk worthy of God Who is this God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory? Let me say something to you, fathers, who, after hearing all these things, are under a tremendous amount of conviction, but feel like you don't know what to do. Look at your heavenly Father who does the same things for you. Look at the scriptures. See where fathers use for God and see what he's doing because he's doing that for you learn from him be a reflection of him let me also say something to those who haven't had a father like what I have described I didn't have a father like I had described and at often in my life I wasn't this father that I have described or let me say something to those who haven't had a father at all your heavenly Father is doing these things for you. Even if your earthly father has failed you, your heavenly Father is doing these things for you. In Him, you find the perfect Father. The Scriptures say, When the, my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Behold what men of love the Father has demonstrated to us, that we shall be called children of God.
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. That's your Father in heaven. We fathers can turn things around in one generation. I really believe that. If you men are committed to the Word of God, delivered to you by the Spirit of God, who enabled you to obey the Son of God by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can turn things around in one generation. But it takes courage on your part, fathers, to be a real man, a man that will follow Jesus Christ and will bring his family with him. Are you going to be that man? Are you going to be that man? I pray that we will. Let us pray. Father, grant us the grace to be obedient to you. We thank you that your spirit is already in us, working in us to be more like Lord Jesus Christ. Enable us to stand on the truth of your word and to be faithful men in our families, in our society, in our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.